Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. If you will turn in your Bibles this morning, or open your Bibles, let's walk your Bible on the floor and turn it, you know, whatever you want to do, but let's open our Bibles or your app or however you are doing it. We are actually starting a new series uh, today, and it is actually going to be taking us all the way to the holidays, yes, those holidays known as Thanksgiving and Christmas that you think now we're a long way away, but you really have to think about it, we're almost in August, August, September, about two and a half months we could have snow. Now I'm not prophesying, I'm not prophesying, but it's, it might seem like a long series, but really it is not. Um, but when I was thinking God, you know, uh, about what direction you want us to go, especially as we're coming into the fall, let's just kind of brought me back to this. And we're going to be looking at the Psalms quite in depth. We're not starting at chapter 1, we're starting at chapter 120. And we're looking at a specific section of Psalms from 120 to 134. Now, these Psalms are known as the Psalms of Ascent. You might have that little heading in your Bible. And from that, the phrase the Lord kind of gave for this series was reaching to God who reaches us. Now, aren't you glad that, unlike a lot of other religions out there, we don't have to attain God? It wasn't matter of us trying to find some way to reach Him. He reached us first, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So he's the one that really did the reaching. But how many know that after he's reached us, it's not over, you know? And there's a point at which we now need to reach out to him and seek to become the people that he wants us to be. It's not saying that God's playing hard to get. He's not. He's already reached us. He is with us. But how many know that this, this process of becoming Christ-like, of walking in His ways, that's a journey we have to take. That's not His job, that's our job. Right. And so as we consider reaching God, um, you know, we have a, a photo up there that I just, I, I was really wrestling with, you know, what might capture where we're going. And I felt like that really captured it well, because you know what, God's already brought us life. But it's up to us to ascend the stairs. It's up, up, up to us to how close we want to get to Him. He'll be as close as you want Him to be. But if you want to keep Him at a distance, He'll let you keep Him there. Much to His lack of desire. But, you know, Steve Green, many, many years ago, back in the 80s, released a song, you can be as full as you want to be. And you can be as close as you want to be. Right? But, we have a role to play in that. And we see a picture of this as we look at these specific sounds, those are the sounds of the sense. So what? 
And there's a different thoughts as far as what exactly they are. But the most widely accepted um, aspect of these, as far as where they get their term, is that these 15 Psalms were what were read at least three times a year during the festivals. Because for the Jews, the festivals were a time when you went up to Jerusalem. No matter where you were in that area, you went up to Jerusalem because it was the highest place. And so what you had to take place at the Feast of Passover, when they would come to Jerusalem, again at the Feast of Pentecost that we just got done celebrating and teaching on, and also uh, the, the latter feast as well. All these times, they would go to Jerusalem. Now, how do you know you couldn't jump into your Yugo or Ford or whatever you drive and get there in a matter of moments? Most of them were traveling by foot or at best, maybe, uh, riding a mule or something or a horse. But most of them, it was the drudgery of walking there. And then coming out, you don't just walk it all at once. You run out of steam. You also have this thing called the Sabbath. So depending on how far away you were, you had to fetch out a significant chunk of time to get there. But beware, because if you're walking on the Sabbath, you couldn't travel more than a specific distance because then it would be considered work. So it wouldn't be uncommon for them to camp along the way of this journey. But how many also know, and it doesn't take rocket science to realize this, that if you are taking a long journey like that, that not everybody has God's interests at heart. And not everybody had a desire to go to Jerusalem. Because there were some that were just out to please themselves, just like in our world today. So, if you wanted the easy way, so to speak, and you didn't want to have to work for your money, but you'd rather steal it, when do you think would be the most ideal time to make a killing, so to speak? Financially. No. Other than when all these Jews are traveling to Jerusalem. Yeah. Because the pickings are going to be good. And so criminals were out by the droves. And so this was not just a matter let's just go to church. This came with a cost, and they knew it. And so these Psalms were often read for a couple of different reasons. One, to prepare their hearts for what was what they're about to celebrate and, and to, as they're coming into the presence of God. But it was also a means of remembering and keeping themselves motivated to keep going forward, to keep the path ahead. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of work our way through these psalms that were read. And we'll be looking at one of these psalms each week. And so today we're going to be actually starting with Psalm 120. So if you are there, we will be the first one. It's only seven verses long. And it says this, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from the deceitful tongue. 
What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of a warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kiar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, therefore, let's pray. God, as we begin this journey, on our own path up to Jerusalem over these next number of weeks. God, would you show us the reality and, and the timeless truths, Lord, that apply and that you want to really pour into our lives that come from this. So, Lord God, as we continue on our journey to be with you and our journey to become the people you desire us to be, that God, we would not lose sight of what we read here or what we study here. But God, that would make a lasting change in us. We give you praise in your holy name. Amen. So here we are. We're in the middle of, actually, a little bit further than the middle of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms all together. So we're really in the back third. And so these 15 songs of ascent, as we said, are being sung by travelers as they made their way to Jerusalem. The Feast of Passover in the spring, the Feast of Pentecost in the summer, and the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. Three times a year, they left their homes, they left their farms, they left their jobs, they left their friends behind, unless they were traveling the same way, to go to the highest point in the land of Palestine, which was Jerusalem. And they were preparing their hearts in worship to the Lord. Now, the Bible is full of reminders of some words that an old hymn had to say. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. You never remember that old hymn, you know? And so there was this aspect that was also coming into the remembrance as they're moving towards Jerusalem that, you know what? My ultimate desire is to be with God. My ultimate desire is to be in His presence in any way I can. But it's going to be a hard road. It's not always going to be easy. And what I'm about to travel is not my home. I might have a tent with me. I might have to camp just along the side of the road, but I'm making my way to a specific destination. And it's the same thing with us as not as Christians. This world is not our home. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the worse it gets, the more I'm glad I'm just a foreigner in this series. My real citizenship, just like the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says. And with every month that passes, <laughs> that becomes my, my cry all the more, we eagerly wait, don't we, that we can come and be with him. Peter also said in 1 Peter 2, 11, he said, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And this is a picture that we're really getting from the psalmist that wrote the Psalm 120. We got the sense that he understands this is not where I'm meant to be. I am meant for a greater destination. And I want to be there because I feel out of place where I am. 
because I am a man of peace amongst people who know no peace. There was an ancient document, actually from the second century, called the Epistle to Diabetes. Okay, now, this is not scripture, but this was a letter, that this is not part of our canon, but it is a letter from a Christian that was found to a prominent pagan named Diabetes or Diagnosis, this type of better pronunciation, in which the author, who we don't know, is describing and defending this strange new religion called Christianity. And this is how it reads. He states, the Christians are not distinguished from other men by country, by language, nor by civil institutions. For they neither dwell in cities by themselves, nor use a peculiar tongue, nor lead a singular mode of life. They dwell in the Grecian or barbarian cities, as the case may be. They follow the usage of the country and dress, food, and the other affairs of life. Yet they present a wonderful and confessedly paradoxical conduct. They dwell in their own native lands, but as strangers. They take part in all things as citizens, and they suffer all things as foreigners. Every foreign country is a fatherland to them, and every native land is a foreign. They marry like all others. They have children, but they do not cast away their offspring. They have a table in common, but not wives. They are in the flesh, but, not, but do not live after the flesh. They live upon the earth, but are citizens of heaven. They obey the existing laws and excel the laws by their lives. They love all and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and yet they are condemned. They are killed and are made alive. They are poor and make many rich. They lack all things, yet in all things abound. Does that describe the Christian church the way it should be? Right. Unfortunately, many times we don't look like that. But that is what it means to be an alien in this world as a citizen of heaven. We are pilgrims simply on our way to another land, to our Jerusalem. Now, there's two ways that our pilgrim status can cause us some issues. The first way is if we forget who we are and start feeling comfortable. We start enjoying ourselves, we forget about the place we're journeying toward, and we begin to think of this life or this world as our home. The danger is that over time, we will go native. We'll settle down, we'll adapt, we'll start to accommodate ourselves to local customs, and before you know it, we don't look like citizens of God's kingdom at all. And are we not seeing that in the church today? Our values and attitudes and lifestyles become virtually indistinguishable from those around us, unlike the case that we just read about. Paul warns us in his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing. 
You want to get transformed completely, you got to renew your mind. How do you do that? By thinking the way the people in God's kingdom should think. Amen. And by making sure what we are adapting is His ways and not the world's ways. Now, as we look at this Psalm 120, we see something interesting. Because there is a, what you might call a lower story and an upper story. Because there was a specific individual who wrote this that was going through some very specific things that he wrote about in the psalm. It is suggested that it was probably written by David during the time of his exile when King Saul was trying to track him down and kill him. And he had to live among pagan people in a foreign land. And we can sense the ache that you might hear from David in this, though we don't know for sure that it was him that wrote it. But whoever it was was definitely going through some very specific things. And But despite this lower story, the reason why it made it here and why all Jews would read this is because they understood there wasn't just a lower story, there was an upper story. There, there was a wider application that took place in this passage. So as we consider this, and about being saved, we, we see him saying that, look, I'm going out, I know I'm not pure, and I think of our own walk when we first begin to follow Jesus. Because we understand from this passage, this individual definitely had a relationship to some level with God. Because he's saying, I am a man of peace. He's praying to the Lord. right? So that, that relationship has begun. And now they're beginning their journey. And what, what does he start off? Deliver me. From, from lying tongues, right? And things of that nature. Now how many of us know God can clean up our heart, takes a little bit longer to clean up our minds and our tongue. But he identified where he was at with that, but he then goes on and mentions that I, I know my citizenship goes not here. I do not belong where I am among these Meshachans. I can use that phrase. Right? These people from Meshach and, and Kedar. Kedarians? I don't know. You know. But I'm amongst these people and they are not like me. They, I am one of peace. They are not. So God help me. As I try to press into your kingdom because where I find myself planted is not a holy place. Where I find myself living my life everywhere around me, everywhere I look, there are people, there is culture, there are practices that go totally against your ways, which are love, peace, and joy. And I want to live those things, but yet all this stuff is bombarding me on all sides. I need your deliverance. And as believers, if we are going to really make that trek towards God, we've got to make sure we stay in that place. Of understanding we cannot get there on our own accord. It starts, the whole journey begins by him saying, help I can't do this on my own. You want to get close to him? Do what you can. But understand your strength is going to fail you. <laughs> yeah. And where your faith, where your strength doesn't fail you on its own, other people steal it from you. <laughs> and then you really, really need his help. So who, who are 
from Meshach and Gadara. What, what, what's the picture we have here? They were powerful, warlike people. They were located to the north and south of Palestine. They were characterized by ruthlessness and they took pride in their military strength and their economic power. They had absolutely no qualms about attacking and devouring weaker nations. Not only did they not desire to seek peace, they actually did whatever they could to avoid it. Because they hated it. They loved conflict. They loved destruction and the brutal exercise of their power. Does that sound like the 21st century? <laughs> we Americans, we tend to be optimistic. Some people in higher locations, we will not name names, tend to be ignorantly optimistic. We like to think that everyone else in the world wants peace just as much as we do. Surely, if years ago, if we just sat down, just try to sit down with Osama bin Laden. Or maybe if we just sat down Saddam Hussein, or the Ayatollah Khomeini. Or maybe, let's bring it up today. Maybe if we just sit down with Vladimir Putin. Could we reach an agreement? Can't we just get along? But the truth is that there are leaders and even nations who do not desire peace. No matter what we say or do, they only desire and it's just not on a national level. How many of us have people like that in our own lives? It can be frustrating, can't it? It can feel very tragic. Hopefully, the one thing that we can get out, the silver lining in the cloud here, is the beneficial fact that it reminds us that this world never has been and never will be our true home. And one day, we're all getting rescued from this. Amen. There never will be peace on earth until Christ returns. Mesmeshek and Kedor, though, were not just historical places. We're just a historical people. Like I said, there's a lower story and there's an upper story. And the upper story is one that goes deeper and broader than what the Psalmist simply experienced personally. If you were to take Meshach and you were to actually look at what the definition of that word is the Meshach is to be drawn out by force. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines Meshach this way. It says they were in all probability the Mashi, a people inhabiting the Moshian mountains between the Black and Caspian Seas. The name occurs in Psalm 120 as simply a synonym for foreigners and barbarians. During the ascendancy of the Babylonians and Persians in Western Asia, the Mashi were subdued, but it seems probable that a large number of them crossed the Caucasus Range and spread over the northern steppes, mingling with the Scythians. Inconceivable. <sighs> Sorry. Princess Pride freaked out. <laughs> there they became known as Muscovs, and gave that name to the Russian nation and its ancient capital by which they are still generally known throughout the East. Now again, this is not a political message. 
But lots of times when we think, if you, especially I listen to the things, the life of Islamists we all have, when you think Russians, you don't necessarily think most peace-loving country on the face of the planet. And current events seem to be validating that.
my psyche, everything that as I try to live this life, as I try to live spiritually, everything else is finding itself bombarded by this world. But God, I'm for peace. But when I speak, they're for war. But notice he's still, he's not using it as an excuse. You could actually put that around and you could say it like this. They are for war. But I am for peace. I am for peace today. I am for peace tomorrow. I am for peace every step along the way. For the Jews stepping out to head to Jerusalem out of his house that day would have been, I do not know what the future holds for me from this moment until I get to Jerusalem. I don't know what I'm going to encounter. I don't know what the heat of the day is going to be like. I don't know what kind of burglars I might encounter along the way. I don't know anything about what's going to come at me. But I know this much, God, that in my distress I can cry to you and you hear. And that's where you start out. So he's saying, like, in this journey, that is what I'm sending myself to. No matter how dismal it might look as I look out at the distance, I know that you will hear. Not only will you hear in verse 2, you have the power and you will deliver. Now let me ask you, do we really believe that? Do I think lots of times, maybe just me, but when I'm in distress, it's really easy to cry, oh God, oh God, help. And it's really easy for me to believe that he will hear me. But now I live every moment from that point on, as I take the first step outside the door, knowing that he's going to deliver me at that step. And the next step, the next mile, the next 10 miles, he is going to deliver me every step along the way. It's not just a religious act. Deliver my soul. And then he says this, oh Lord. Do you understand he's not just God? He is Lord. And that might not seem like a huge difference, but you know what? People in that day and age and even today worship a whole lot of gods. But how many of them are Lord? How many of them hold power and authority in the palm of their hands? To the point that they can speak to winds and waves and they'll stop. To the point that he can speak to laymen, as we've talked about, and see them rise up. To the point that he can even speak to, to dead people like Lazarus in a grave and say, come forth, and they come forth. When they're wrapped up from head to toe and can't even walk. Now, double miracle, right? That is the God we're talking about that is walking with us each and every moment of each and every day. And so, you and I, we don't know what's coming next week. We don't know what's coming in the next five hours. But he does. That's why we go to him. Don't worry about the things that are out there. God already knows the stuff that's and he knew that it was going to come against you. He told you it would. Because he said, if it comes against me, it's going to come at you. 
Be sure of this. You will have trials. You will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. That's right. Kind of hard sometimes. Why? Because I overcome the world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've already overcome. Yeah, you're going to have to face some junk. Yeah. But you're not dealing with it alone. You're not walking the journey alone. You understand I'm with you. Every step you take, I take one with me. But I think that's how we know it here. Because this isn't rocket science, the stuff we're showing this morning. We know it here, but lots of times I find it's a long trek from here to here. Probably further from where they were, had to go from their house to Jerusalem. <laughs> we need to get them here. You know, to the point that we don't, and I, I heard a pastor say it like this, said, no, we need to start living like the Bible's true. And the first time I thought, oh, that's kind of make people think, I don't know if I hate it. Because no, that's so wrong. I'm not going to live like this thing is true. Because it is true. I'm not going to act like it's not and try to live like it is. Because that's what that communicates to me. Live like, live like this is true. It is true. Kind of almost implies you could be a chance to stop. Right, right. No, live this because it is true. There you go. Amen. And follow your God because he is true. Because he is victorious. Not because he might be. He is. Or that I hope he'll be. He is. Always will be. Will our actions show it? That's the key. Because you know what? His word tells me that his promises are yes and amen. amen. In other words, they're set in stone and the amen simply set means fly. Let it be so. This is the way it is. Now let it be so. That's the God you have in your back and at your front Amen. and on your side. Amen. Okay? So walk worthy of the call that he's given. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain, with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main, and may God bless you.